having you. This is the Black Country Blog, Tuna Fat, here with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, and our very special guest today is RV Mitty. Now, RV, I grew up watching this blow back when I was a kid, and he was this spectacle of a man. I remember being at Wally ABC all them hundreds of years ago. He used to run, flip up onto his hands and run me on his hand. I'd be there as a child, running as fast as I could, and he's respectable of an athlete to be able to me. So growing up, I mean, I had so many heroes at Wally ABC, and we'll we'll talk about them in a bit, but uh, RV, you're my number one. So thank you, brother, for coming on today. Kev, thanks for having me on your show. You know, it's a pleasure, and um, I'm happy to be here. So uh, it's all good, and um, thanks again, you know. Um, yeah, cheers, buddy. Now we're going to be going into the life. I mean, RV had 100 professional bouts. He won a novice title as an, an amateur. And we're going to get into his life, how it actually is being a journeyman, how it is being pro. So, and we're saying it's not all songs and whistles. It's, it's a blowing hard job. But we're going to come into that in a bit. But what I like to start the show is, as we do every week, like we do our support group, the Lions ABC, every Wednesday, 7 till 9. And it's how's our week been? And when we say how's our week been, it's easy to go, oh, it's been rubbish. It's, let's find something positive about our week. This week, what's happened? I went to, um, we went to the Crystal, me, my wife and my daughter, and cause my daughter can't swim yet. We were having a play with her armbands on, and then we went around the side where the jacuzzi is, and we were practicing swimming with better armbands. And those little memories when I'm not boxing shows and championships, and it's remembering the good times when they're young, because in another five to ten years, she ain't going to be one knocking about with daddy. So I've got to get as much daughter daddy time as I can. How about you, Lee? What's been good? It's a tough one this week to find something, but I've just been thinking about it as you've been talking, because I want to listen to you as you <laughs> But yeah, I think my daughter's been ill all week, so she's been off with me, but you know what, that just gave me time to spend more time with her. So even though she's been ill, she's been very cuddly and very, very much a daddy's girl this week, and that's been fantastic. Harvey? You know what? Just like you said, right, spending the time with your daughter... Spend as much time as you can with your daughter while they're young. Because my daughter is now 11 and now she don't even want to spend that much time with me, that much time with me now. Whereas before, I spent a lot of time with her. Now it's all going out with friends. Uh, friends. I mean, she's at the senior school now. And when she started at the senior school and I had to walk to the gate, she said to me, wait by the gates, I'll go in my, on my own. And these are the sort of things they do now. They don't want to be with you anymore. They feel embarrassed to be with you and they just want to be on their own. So that's true, Kev, when you say, you know, when they're young, spend as much time as you can with them because as they get older, they don't want to spend any time with you. They're embarrassed to be with you. and They just want to be with their own friends. And that's how it is now. So just get as much time and spend as much time you can with your daughter while she's young. And I think like being a boxing coach and I love me, me, my second family, my Lions family. But I remember my dad, he would be out, he'd be taking you here, he'd be taking uh, Steve there and Kev there and Steve here. Yeah. And I remember as a child that happening. And I always said, I'd never do it, but you do because you love. You, We expect our wife and our babies to always be there. That's right. And sometimes you put your second family in front of our biological family. Yeah. But then what happened is through lockdown, I actually enjoyed having my tea with my girls. My daughter's now six, and I could count before lockdown how many teas we had because daddy had to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Then on the weekend, and this time, 
I found it hard, and I've talked to loads of my good friends through the coaching world. Yeah. We found it hard to adjust back to it mm-hmm. because, like uh, one of our very good friends, is uh, is christening. He's not this Sunday; it's the week after his baby. And I'm at the national finals, and we, me and Lee, were talking. It, it's such a privilege to be asked to go to the christening. But when it's an ABA final, you think, "Bloody yeah. neck!" It's not just a club bout. And if you're guilty, you can't say to your kid who you've had since they're 10 and they're 18 now, yeah. oh, I can't come to the biggest day of your life because this no, may never happen again. And then you've got your old mucker uh, who's saying, well, this is my christening. And how many times I've had to say to my wife, sorry, uh, uh, I'll getting married. Oh, well, you, you have to go on your own because I'm taking Lee boxing. Yeah. And that's, that's, it, it, it's that's, what, that's what happened. And he said, you know, Kev, you're saying about lockdown and... To me, still don't feel right. I find myself not going out anywhere, go to work and stay at home. So you know what? It's I think it's what two years now, maybe, yeah. and things still don't seem the same. And because I was adjusted going into that way of staying in, I do my work and I stop in. I'm finding it hard to adjust and get back to normal. I'm not back to normal. I'm still wearing my masks, <laughs> even though you don't have to wear them. I still wear them. And to me, it's with the lockdown, it's hard to get back. It, it don't feel the same, does it? it? I don't know what your opinion is on the matter, but, but for me... You feel comfortable you know, of wearing your mask, wear your mm, mask. Yeah, there, yeah, right? yeah. I, I think there's a big hysteria about people having jabs, not having jabs, yeah. wearing your mask, not wearing your mask, doing sanitising your hands. Mm. Ultimately, do what makes you feel comfortable. That's right, totally it, agree. It doesn't matter about totally what agree. else is thinking. Mm-hmm. But I went, I went to championships the other week, and I've... I've all my life I've been a coach. All my life I've been coming to see you lads when I was yeah. Jasmine's age. And it was bonkers being there with like a couple hundred people sweating, spit buckets. And mm. and you're thinking, I've grown up with spit buckets and people spitting and sweating. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's sort of, you know, hold, uh, when you're seconding, you know, hold the bucket they spit at you, mm-hmm. which is gross in the real world, but you don't think about it. No. But now you're thinking, Rango, I'm, I'm wearing my gloves, I'm wearing a mask, but if he's got the Rona, yeah. we haven't. And it's all these things that, you know, it's getting used to the new world and not being too frightened of the old world. It's right, it crosses your mind now, doesn't it, with the, with the coronavirus and stuff, where you probably didn't think anything about it, Kev, you're now mm-hmm. thinking about it, I want, you know, spitting in the buckets and yeah. all this blood going in the bucket. I wonder if um, I'm going to catch anything, it must cross your mind at some stage. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love the game, but it, I, I think so many people have had different experiences from the lockdown. And hopefully there's always good that comes out of it. And my good was actually thinking, my wife hasn't got to stay with me. She chooses to. Yeah. And boxers will come and go, but I have chose my wife, who I've chose to have a, a child with. These are the ones you've got to hang on to. Yeah. And, you know, boxes will come and go, and that, that's that's the nature of the beast. It's 100% though, um, Kev, I look at myself the same way as you do, like with my wife and the kids and that kind of thing, you know, she used to work full-time and then she had a child and she worked part-time, part-time now, and it's like she'd done it for me sort of thing. Yeah. Um, similar situation with yourself, really, you know what I mean? You, you, I've got two kids now, and she's always there, you know what I mean? She does what I want, but she'll always be there, and, and I know... Just like you're probably in the same situation, you know, that your wife is always going to be there. Yeah. And um, it's the same with me. I know my wife's always going to be there, you know, no matter what. 
But like you say, with boxers and that, they come and go, don't they? I mean, and you know? as a professional athlete, you know, we always say, like, a boxing widow, whether you're a coach and you're out all the time, when you're a boxer, your partner has got to be so understanding, especially with you being an athlete. Where, 100%. Oh, uh, well, we're going out for a couple of bevies, or we're going to have a McDonald's, yeah. or we're going to... And you go, I've got to make weight. And I've never met a boxer who enjoyed making weight. No. The, the, the sparring, the fighting, that was part of the possible. Mm -hmm. Having to be under a weight, just in case a fight comes off the next yeah. day, is a nightmare, isn't it? It is a nightmare. You know, that times and times in my career that's happened, you know, Kev, I've been out with your dad. <laughs> I've been out with your dad, I can still remember being out with your dad somewhere and I've been like a pound or so over and I've had to skip it off. Yeah. Put a, put a few jumpers on and skip it off, you know. Um, novice Championships, I'm sure I was. A, yeah. a pound over or something. I had to put a few jumpers on and, and skip it off, you know. Um, yeah. And people don't realise that, like, with Championships, you, you say you're under 69k. Yeah. You can't be over. So you have to... And then they'll go, oh, well, uh, just put him in the weight above. But the weight above is 75k. That's right. It's a big difference. In, in old money, that's a stone. That's right. And if you're going in at... 69.5 or 70 and he's come down to 75 yeah and that's what the outside world of boxing don't realize weight is such a fine fine balance they don't not just that kev you know what we're all human mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to get things perfect and get things right sometimes you know sometimes you can be on home on a scale and you've weighed him perfectly mm -hmm. but then go to the scales what you got to weigh and when you're at the event Different scales. Different scales, and you, your weight's wrong. I yeah. mean, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, again, you know, we're all human, and yeah. mistakes are easily made. How do you get the right weight? How do you come in perfectly when the scales can be differently? What do you do? Like I said before, your scales at all might be right, and you go to the scales where you're fighting, and the scales are wrong. You know, scales weigh differently. What do you do? Well, I remember years ago, Connor Jones, who won the ABA's Three Nations one year, mm -hmm. and then next year we got him in the championships, and his weight was perfect all week, all work. Yeah. We got to the venue, he was point over, and he wasn't allowed to go in because he was slightly over. Mm -hmm. So I learned my lesson. Everything we should be learning. Yeah. So now, don't assume just because last night he or she is right, before we get in the car, I get them on the scales. Mm -hmm. on, on the same scales, and then if they're point one over, we have time to give them a light bit of skipping yeah. and get it off them before the venue. Mm -hmm. But that was a learned experience. Yeah. Because what they were yesterday, could be completely different. They've they've had a massive glass of water. They haven't yeah. had a wee. They haven't gone to the toilet. Mm. They've had a piece of toast. It's right. <laughs> all these different things, eh? What <laughs> what can affect make things differently from not being able to go and have a wee if you haven't been for a wee? You know, yeah. you might be. It's funny, but it's true. But even that long when we get to the venue, I always say go to the toilet. Even if yeah, I, I don't need to go to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> <It'd be good. laughs> that little tiny bit might make the difference. Yeah, I mean, they all, I mean. Uh, what was the interview you've just done with Christian? Um, Tr Chris Dixon's life stories. It was about my career. Um, um, Kevin was quite shocked um, that he came and he that he come and see me. But um, what you know, I was sort of honoured. You know that he'd come and and come and see come and see me. Like it was um was a good experience. You know what I mean? I know he, he interviewed Jane Ke Jane Couch, and I was speaking to her and said, "Oh, you should you should go and see off." And he come and you know eventually it was a while. But he come and seen me due to coronavirus and that kind of thing. He, he put it off like, and then eventually he come and seen me, and um, like, and I, I loved it. You know, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Very good experience <laughs> having him come and in, interview me at home with a, with a camera crew in 
in my living room and and that like I really enjoyed it. Well, what an experience! Well, I love love and I loved it. Re- recommend the yeah. podcast actually. Yeah. All of his, or he doesn't really do a bad one, yeah, especially yeah. if you're a boxing fan. It's mm. well worth, and that's uh, boxing live stories. It's funny, uh, Lee. You know the amount of um, feedback I got from it. Even, even one or two gaffers. Uh, I was going to send you a text, but I thought you know I'd uh, ring you to say, um, "What a fantastic uh, interview that was! <laughs> Unusual. I was quite shocked, you know." And you've always been such a humble mm. bloke as well. And oh, thanks, Kev. You know, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I remember, as I say, like um, when I was a child, I remember. I mean, what a squad there was at Wally as well. Oh, absolutely fantastic! Uh, I learned from a lot of them guys. You know, um, Steve Enley, Jeff Adams, yeah. um, Tim Tim Broadbridge. Tim Broadbridge. Um, oh, I'm terrible at remembering. Kev, Kevin Mitchell was good. Uh, Kev, Kev, Kev Bennett, yeah, Kev, Kev Bennett, Kev Bennett. Well, they all learn you something, you know. They were all, all there, and even when I, I came there, they were all uh, already had plenty of fights. Them guys, because they trained as little babies, like ten year olds, and that, you know. And they were all, um, I learned a lot of them, and um, I won't worry about getting it because then guys try to take your head off, so you had to be pretty. Uh... <laughs> it, it didn't scare me; it just made me tougher by being able to go in there with them guys and, and fight back. But um, they were all hard guys, I tell you, you know, really were. Jason Gonzalez, all of them could fight, you know. Uh, big punchers, you know, good amateurs. And I learned a lot of all of them, you know. Um, and, you know, I still speak to a lot of them now, and they're like all gentlemen, they're lovely guys, you know. So, uh, yeah. But boxing's a weird kind of family, isn't it? Very, very weird kind of family, indeed. You, you have a... And they are brothers or sisters. Yeah. And they'll be... Lots, and it's not... Do you remember of when you broke my nose twenty years ago? Oh, it was great, wasn't it? And it's yeah. that kind of, but it's not with malice. It no. was we we were there to get each other fit. That's right. And when right. you were winning, I wasn't upset that I'd lost. Mm. I was over the moon that our, our stable right. were doing it. That's right. And as you really said, you bumped some for twenty years, thirty mm. years, and it's funny. Said, just so, Kevin, just don't seem very long. It don't seem that long. We're talking about it like it's yesterday, isn't it? You know, it seems like it was yesterday when. You came up to the gym when you, yeah. with your dad. You was only a baby, yeah. But you was just the way you were. You were very, um, you were very swished on. You were very, very knowledgeable, even when you was a baby. Like and he, apart from you, <laughs> yeah, apart from being older now, you like the same, yeah. same guy when you was a small guy. You know what I mean? It's crazy, is it? If you know what I mean. But it don't seem like years ago. It only seems like yesterday. I don't know how old you was, but you was only a baby. But you were the, the way you are. You was as knowledgeable as you are now, back then. Very, very strange one, isn't it? Very strange one, my friend. Very but strange. what you just said there, like, time hasn't gone on, we've all got older. Yeah. Like, but in that, like, what a family is, mm. you bump into someone and you go, hey, why are you? Oh, you've got kids now, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, time hasn't passed because no. that's what family is. Yeah. And when I think of, like, back at the old mm. coast, like, Big John come with Dad when we yeah. started the, the Lions and then Johnny Dix, whenever I see Johnny Dix, because Johnny yeah. Dix was always my coach. Oh, Sam Blog. Oh, what? Well, mm. He used to take me on the weights and, he was yeah, like Big yeah. John and he was like my uncle. If he was a softer mm. man, he'd be Uncle John. It's Auntie Leslie yeah, yeah, and Big yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like my dad was my dad. But, yeah. uh, um, Johnny Dix, Little John, they used to call him. Yeah, Big you know, John and Little John. Top guy, you know, I still have a lot to do with him, Kev, you know. And I see him on Facebook and whenever I see, you know, it's Cougs. Mm. And he had Dennis Jackson, you know, Jack. Dennis, yeah. What a lovely man. He was he like was. a second granddad yeah. to me. Top guy, wasn't he? Hey. Well, what a stable it was. It was. Uh, not, not forgetting that R- Reggie... Reggie Snooks. Snooks. Red Snooks. Lovely guy, eh? Snooks, eh? Nigel Porter. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Porter. But they were great blokes. They were. Uh, uh, they were all top guys, weren't they? 
I mean, when you've good come, times, when you come to the gym, you you have to say you come as a little barrel, didn't you? Yeah. And, and tell us hey, why you got into boxing. Yeah, Kevin. You know, it wasn't my intention to even become a boxer. You know, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of martial arts and that kind of thing. It was just there to get handy with my hands. That's all it was all about. Not to become a boxer, not to become a professional boxer. I'd done a lot of martial arts when I was a kid. It was just to get good with my hands and go back. And you know, as I came to train with Wally, not only getting good with my hands, I lost a lot of weight. What was amazing and become very quick and learn the mechanics of the sport. So, you know, to move in and eat and move out of the way, move quickly, throw fat. My hands had really fast hands once I lost all that weight. And all them things kept me there and thought to myself, you know what, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here and, and fight as an amateur. And that's exactly what I've done. And it's, it's the best thing i ever done. How old was you, you know, first Believe it or not, Kevin, I'm about 18, 19. Quite old, really. You know, but I've done about three or four seasons straight off and went professional. But your dad got me... Your dad had me having a lot of fights. It weren't like one or two fights a season with your dad, you know. I've had, like, I'm sure, in one season... Oh, I'm sorry, about 15 fights every... It, you could fight twice a week, you know. I had a fight on a Monday, I had a fight on a Friday. You have coming, you're fighting to you're fighting tomorrow. I, I never said no, I just went along. Yeah. You'd have a little bit of butterflies because I weren't expecting to fight, but I always <laughs> fight. Very rarely did I ever say no. I always said yeah, and then um, your dad liked that, you know. That I was always willing to fight. There was never no excuse, I'd always fight. Just like in the same with the pros, I always thought when I was asked, I never said no. You know, I thought, you know, what way to get experience? Fights, you know, you can do as much training as you want, as much running as you want, but without fighting, it's not going to let, it's not, you know, you need to fight to become good at boxing. You need to fight. That's where you get your experience from. Not from the training, not from hitting bags, not from sparring. It helps you and you keep you fit. But to become a good fighter, you need to fight. Practice makes perfect with fighting, not with hitting bags, not with punching, not with skipping, not with road work, with fighting. So to me, when your dad used to get me a fight, I always fought because I thought with practice that what makes you get perfect with fighting, fighting. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and um, the best thing I've ever done, boxing, and I'm glad I've done it. Even though it was never in my intentions to become a boxer, I became a boxer, and I'm maybe not happy with what I've done in the pros, but you know, I believe I could have done better than I had. Just going back to what you were saying there, I think um, you're, you're right to get actually the, the feeling of going into a fight. And I don't think it's as much about the physical, is it? It's more mm. about the mental. So the more times you step into that ring, the better prepared you're going to get each it's time. Right. You can prepare outside the ring by doing your sparring, by doing mm. this, but there's nothing that prepares you for the mental toughness you need when you're in there. You know what? You are spot on. And you know what? This is why with Nobby, there was times where you didn't have to do anything as long as you were fit and you ran if you said did I fight tomorrow you could fight because that was my training fighting so if I fought on a Friday then I could fight next Friday because I fought last week and by doing that as long as you're doing your running and you're doing that that kept you fit and I've done that a lot weren't always in the gym Kevin Lee you know sometimes from fighting that was what kept you going you do your running but from fighting, that's all you needed, as long as you were doing it regularly. And there were certain times where I fought one a week, and I might have done that for 
maybe 10 months you know yeah if you look it up i had a time where i fought once a week every friday and by doing that what else do you need to do because you're doing what that's keeping you in good stead for that there's kind no of better training there's no better training from fighting someone tries to beat you up there's your training for you and then and there's your fighting for you well it's like when uh, i've got three lads in the championship next week yeah um, osma ben and matthew and it's like when you've got the lads fighting every week in championships, some coaches will overtrain them in the week. If they're fighting like this Sunday, then fight next Sunday. On the Monday, they come to the gym, have a little bit of walk around, you know, nothing there. Wednesday, maybe a bit of light pad. But it's when we've got to beast them and beast them. You've got to let them recover from one fight. Oh, yeah. And get ready for the next fight. 100% care. Something can't learn that. Because we, we burn them out. And yeah. how, how many great athletes do we know of? And they're burnt out. By yeah. the, and sometimes right. they're boxed a schoolboy, a mm. junior, a youth, a senior. Yeah. By the time they've made it to a senior, they've had burnt out. 100 bouts. Yeah. They've had five days a week, hard sparring, boxing, and you're thinking, they haven't matured into the athlete they could have been because their body is burnt out. Totally agree, Kev. You know, sometimes you can do too much and you become what you call stale. Yeah. Your body needs to recover. So you've done a lot, but you need to have a rest from it. It's, you know what it's like? It's like being cut yeah. and not making the scar heal. Do you know what I mean? You're just bothering it. You're meant to do your stuff and have a rest till you heal, then get back into it. And by not doing that, not, you can overtrain and get stale. And it's not a good thing. Your body should have a rest, 100%. And people forget that about the rest. Yeah. Uh, it, and we all know, I mean, we, we were talking off air, that when you haven't had a good night's sleep, mm. you feel fine. It's the, yeah. it's the, it's the it's fast, horrible. fastest way to sending you to yeah. madness, yeah. Sleep, sleep deprivation. Oh, 100% Kev. And that's the same if, if I'm working on my biceps, mm -hmm. five days, seven yeah. days, they're never going to grow because no. they, they're just so battered and that's bruised. Right. That's right. You need to train them, you need to, that's rest right. them, and rest feed them. them. That's right. Rest them because you, you end up with pain. And you know what, Kev? The more you keep doing it, doing it, the more pain you have. If you rest it, then the pain will go. But you have to rest. Some people get too mad and get carried away, don't they? And don't think of this. And think, the more I do, the more I get better. But no, because our bodies isn't built like that. Our bodies have to have a rest. And sometimes people overdo it and get stale and don't have a rest. And it's no good for you. You need to rest at some stage. Don't get me wrong. Keep fit, yeah. But don't overdo it. When you've done your bit, rest yourself. Tell if it's time to go again. Don't overdo it. You just make yourself worse. And that's called like ticking over, isn't it? Mm. Instead that's of right. to run a marathon, that's right. I can just run around the block ticking over. Yeah, tick over. Because knowing, mm. and as a boxer, mm. you're going to box. The yeah. running comes to help the fitness. But I can't be sparring seven days a week. No. Or six days a week and then having a hard bout. No, no. Boxing, the tournament, is the end product. That's right. Everything around it is mm. to gear to get me strong as fit as yeah. agile for that Friday night that's right and you know Kev you know your your dad was bang on when I used to fight and that he had it spot on you know what I mean I never had any problem you know what I mean and in the championships he took me to the championships and stuff like that I was so confident and and won easily but it weren't just me doing the work it was your dad he was like a <laughs> he was like some kind of guardian angel if he weren't there it wouldn't work <laughs> honestly but he was superb, man. You know what I mean? He was spot on. But you were saying off, uh, off camera we were having a good rattle. 
old family friend, you know, family having mm. a row. And he said, Dad was very good. I'm not just saying because my dad. Nah, he was spot on. Very good as a coach and what he's wonderful. But, but it's the confidence that he gives you yeah. and all the squad. And you've gone on to box and a lot of the old squad now are coaches all yeah. around the Midlands. They are. They? they are. It's good to see. You, you, if you look on social media, and that, I, I didn't realise there's quite a lot of them who's uh, there's coaches now, and it's really good to see that they're uh, doing well and you know helping out. I mean, there's even one or two school lads I went to school with doing it, and I'm like it's proud to see. You know, um, I mean, because it's 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 hard to have the time, and I'm thinking they're playing here because it is hard to have the time, but they're making the time somehow. Some of these guys aren't they? And it's it's really good to see that they're doing this, Kev. You know. Such a hard thing to have the time to train and, and to put in all that time. It really is, you know. It, it really shows, is hard. It shows a true legacy of, mm. as well of one boxing club, doesn't mm. it? That one boxing club has produced countless boxers, countless mm. people who've gone out into the wide world and done yeah. better themselves because of boxing. Mm -hmm. But then also countless coaches that are now helping other people down the line. Yeah. And, and no doubt the people they're coaching now will yeah. go on to do the same things. In fact, the Wally, Wally Boxing Club, they've got their show tomorrow. I'm sorry, I can't remember where it is, but... It's off the Wolverhampton Road, Kev. That's where it is. It's like a, um, I wish I'd know exactly what it was called. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> up, it's, off the War, it's off the Wolverhampton Road, directly opposite Asda. And we, we say a lot about coaching. We're going to come to your story in a bit, but, but with coaching, people think all it is is shouting at a bunch of burly athletes. <laughs> you need the discipline. But these people need love. You yeah. can't just cuss at a man and expect him to love you for it. No. And that's the fine balance, isn't it, between the coaches. You can give someone a rail of telling off. Yeah. But you've got to rebuild that man. You've got to make that man or woman go to battle for you and trust you. Oh, de most definitely. Most definitely. You know, Kev, you know, your your dad done that for me. You know, Kev, he put me in, in you know, he put me in good stead with everything he done, you know. He used to shout really bad and swear and everything, yeah. but you know that he was doing a good thing. He weren't doing it for a bad thing. He was doing it for my good, and it was it was a very good thing. And it, it worked. It disciplined. It gave me discipline the way he used to act, Kev. Everything that your dad done, Bob Dylan, it put me right in my life for later on in everything. It's because of him. I'm the man. I am, I feel. With how he talk to me and how we you know Kev there was times when I couldn't even eat. you know it was a Christmas time when I had nothing to eat your dad cooked me a chicken did you know that he got no, your, cooked you the chicken if dad cooked you the chicken you're dead <laughs> okay well you know what I mean yeah. that's what happened and it was lovely you know what I mean what a lovely thing to do hey he got me some food cooked for me at Christmas time many many years ago I was very young I'll never forget that Kev you know what I mean who, who would do that? You tell me who would do that. You know yeah. what I mean? And this was a bloke what used to shout and, and swear and everything, you know what I mean? Not for the wrongfulness, to, to help me and make me a better person. So you know he weren't doing anything wrong when when the man's cooking food for me, when I'm on my own. This and man cooked me a chicken with, with vegetable and, well, like I say, your, your mum, sorry. <laughs> but getting that done, you know what I mean? It's because of him, isn't it? He, he, you know, your mum wouldn't have... If it weren't for him, I wouldn't. If it weren't for your dad, I know your mum cooked it, but I wouldn't be having any chicken and any uh, roasting or any trimmings and everything because of him. You know what I mean? But that's what people don't see around boxing. You see these these blokes and women now 
beat integral, but there's so much love that goes beyond the scenes. That's right, time. that's right. You know, Kev, you have all the shouting and all the going on, but it's not for a bad reason, it's for a good reason. And you, you know, to get results, you need to have that attitude to shout and to make you do better for yourself in the training to become a better fighter. You have to carry on like that. You can't just just talk when you're training someone. You have to shout to get the best out of them. And you've got to and, know and, which box you can shout at and which ones you've got to go, you're doing well. Yeah. Because and, you're one, right. one needs the fire under his bottom yeah. and the other one yeah. needs lots of TLC. You're right, you're right Kev. If you shout at one, he's going to cry. That's right. If you don't shout at one, he's going to switch off. And we had a fighter like that back in the day and he, yeah. he, went, he went elsewhere yeah you know because your dad used to treat him how he used to treat me but he was like um a sensitive guy <laughs> Lo lovely guy guy yeah. called gary simpson lovely lovely guy but very sensitive mm. and being because he was so sensitive he ended up going with frank frank Hall sutherland in birmingham yeah, yeah. but your dad treated him how he treated your dad treated him how he treated me well, a bit tough skin, Kev, you know, I could, I, I, I liked it, <laughs> he didn't like it. But you've got to find your medicine. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you're point, right. I, I always say this on here, and if you don't like the way I'm coaching, we've got some brilliant clubs around here, we've got yeah. Wally, we've got the Pride, we've got the Brooklyn's, we've got, yeah. and if it's not working at the Lions, don't fall out with boxing. Yeah, don't it fall out with it. We, we haven't gelled, you don't yeah. like my way, there's other brilliant, brilliant clubs. I totally agree with that, Kev, totally agree with that. And it feels like because um, your parents were part of the Wind, uh, Windrush generation yeah, and, they, yeah. and they went back to Jamaica, didn't they? Yeah, they, got, they went back. 87, 1987, they went, they went back, you know. They just felt, you know, uh, we, we've come here and, you know, it, it's time to go back now. You know, the thing is, Kev, I could have gone back. Well, Kev, I born here, why am I going back? Mm. You know what I mean? I bet that was tough for you, though, bruv. Oh, very, very tough. Very, you know, tough that people, certain you know, Kev, I got a long, younger brother, Kev. I don't think he realised he's telling me how hard he had it out there. Mum and Dad was out there with him. Who was here with me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we were working out. You were 16 being left all over. Yeah. Again. And what was that? In the late 80s? Late 80s, Kev. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, different, it's a different world to what it was back then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Very tough. Very tough. And I say now, but at the time, you don't say. You don't say to anyone, do you? You know. Kev, my, my, my pal I grew up with, you know, he used to give me meals. And it's just the other day I've had confidence to, t you know, got the confidence to tell him that, you know, the meals he was giving me, I was grateful for them. And he was saying, bloody hell, I've never realised he was starving. It was just a, a thing I'd done. If I had known, I would, I would have fed you all the time. It's a pal of mine, like, you know, and at the time, it would have been embarrassed to say this to him, but now you old, you, you older, you don't, things like that don't matter. You, I don't know, you don't, it's not embarrassed. You're not, just not embarrassed about it now. At you know, 16, you want to be a man, don't you? Yeah. You're not a man, but you want to be you a man. You want to, man. don't you? you? Wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to yeah, be yeah. earning money and showing that's right, you that's you're right. looking after yourself. That's right. And that's to right. do that with no parents yeah. around you must have been yeah, yeah. really, really hard. And you know, Lee, the, what I don't like, you know, Lee, is people use an excuse about robbing here and robbing there and I had this and I got into drugs and all that. It's no excuse, you know, Lee, because I never done it and I never got into any lawfulness, wrongfulness with the law. You know, I just try to be the best person I could be, even when it was hard, I never stole off anybody, I, I struggle, I struggle to eat, but it weren't in my mind to go and rob anybody, or try and steal, or take any drugs, or nothing like that, so, you know, I just want to know, you know, there's no need for anybody to say that when they say it, because I never felt, fought that way, you know what I mean, even though it was hard, and you did get depressed, and it did, it did make you 
midfield Mentoni Hill. It did it did it got to me a bit, you know, but I still managed to, you know, keep myself all right, you know. And I mm. think like when being a parent now, mm. I imagine you couldn't and I hope I don't sit out on here, but I, I I can't imagine you'd ever leave your babies nah Kev you're not stepping out of line you're just asking me a question brother you know when you're so 100% right there because of what happened to me it's, it made me react different with my kid in, in the sense of spending money if it, the only thing is Kev am I, am I right to do what I do if my kids ask for whatever they want to buy whatever they want when you have had a life when you've never had much and parents couldn't have much you're in that situation when you can afford for your kids, you buy them what you want, you know what I mean? You don't say no. And with me, sometimes in my situation with my kids, you know, maybe I buy them too much, I, I, I never say no, but I try to bring them up right and they do have discipline and they are good kids. And I do say to him when he goes out, my lad, he, he likes to go and watch the, Vin, um, the Albion sometime and I don't like it because uh, I always worry about going to football matches, they're being trouble and stuff. I never say no, and I don't think he knows <laughs> that I don't like it. But I won't say no. He goes to goes with his pals on the train to watch the uh, Albion, you know, and he'll go. And he says he see trouble there and stuff, and he watches the match. I, I get on the train, I try and get away, you know. And uh, I just say to him, don't get in trouble with the law. Just try not to get in trouble with any law, and that's all I ask. But I don't mind you doing whatever you want to do. As with myself, I weren't allowed them options when he went to school. I gave him the option to go what, to what school he wanted to go to. Same with my daughter. These things weren't... I didn't have these privileges. I had to go where my parents wanted me to go. Which I looked at it and I thought, gee, why would they want to send me where they want to go? I sent my kids where they... I sent my kids... Well, they went where they wanted to go. I just said, go where you want to go. I didn't send them where I wanted to go. Because I think to myself, it's them what's got to go. And it's what them what's got to learn. So go where you want to go. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm not learning. You're learning. So go where you want to go. That's, as a child, you only have such a small window of being a child. It's right. You don't realise how short it is until it's ended, do you? And you look at it now and you think, gee, it's such a short time. School life. I mean, Kevin, can say the same thing with you. It's only seem a short time you're the baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and 100%. look at you now. You're a grown man. You, it's funny, isn't it? It seemed like I was miles in front of you. Yeah. Now you look at it, it looked like someone, I'm all, like you're a, a little bit behind me. Yeah. At the time, it seemed like there was a massive gap, you know. Well, we were saying that, like, we were saying, like, I remember you as a child. Yeah. Looking up at this. Yeah, it, and you it seemed like a big gap, didn't it? And you had this magnificent figure, mm. and you were a joint, you and Jeff yeah. Adams, and I'm looking at you, Jeff Adams, and a knockout merchant. It don't look so big now, though, does it, Kev? But you were men then, and it, mm. it's funny, like, when you're saying you boxed it, like, nine and a half stone, that's Yeah. Funny. I remember you being ginormous and it's, yeah. it's fantastic. But when you said about your, your eldest, saying he was into, um, he did a bit of boxing down the club. Yeah. And how many parents, and I see it all the time, and I'm, I'm a boxing man, so you do boxing. You, and you're thinking, your child, has got, if they want to go and do ballet, if they want to do Star Trek, if yeah. they want to do Lego, we've got to allow our children it's right. to enjoy it. It's totally, I totally agree. You know, Kevin, my daughter, ballet, tap and modern she's doing it all and, and done well but at the minute she's suffering with her knees so she'd have to put it on hold for a bit till they can sort something out i think she's going to probably have to have um knee operations i believe she's got one worse than the other and she's on crutches at the minute to keep the weight off but um hopefully she'll be all right you know and be able to go back and carry on doing a modern ballet and and tap i hope anyway
on about bad legs or because you said something off camera saying what was the name of your kiddish when you were P young Perth and would you explain what that is please you know what I, I I don't know it was a hip problem and when I was younger, I don't know, you know, Kev, you know, Jamaican people always set in their ways. I used to jump around with, as a child and I used, to, we used to have a piano at home. I used to stand on top of the piano, which was quite high, and jump off top of the piano onto the floor on a regular basis. And my mother said, that's why you got that problem and that's why you had, your legs have to go in plaster and that's why you had a bar going in between your legs. Only for later on to realise it had nothing to do with that. I suffered with a condition called Perth which was a problem with my hips so my legs was in plaster for about a year and I had to have this plaster change every so often I couldn't even go to my usual school anymore because they had problems getting me at, getting me around I had to go to a special school and um, oh it was difficult and uh, yeah so I had my legs in plaster both of them and I had a bar going in between them and they said I, you know they reckon that I'd be like that for a very long time well after a year I was out of it so without it, that, become very strong with my legs, be able to run a lot, a lot of gymnastics and stuff. It's only now, well, well I was suffering a little bit. I'm, I started to do a lot of walking on it, walking and exercising, and I seem to be fine. I seem a lot better. But even you know? something like that, I mean, once again, seventies. That sounds like something from the Victorian age. It really it? does. It you know, really like does. When the kids had polio and mm. you know, but have both legs cast. Yeah, both legs plastered from the right from the top. Of the groin, Kev, yeah. right to the bottom of the ankle, and my legs was in a V position like that, with a bar plastered to one leg to the other leg and stuck like that, and in a position sat up. So you can imagine how it was when I got out of it, being stuck in a position like that for like a, a year, having it re put, taken off, and rechanged. It was a nightmare. It really was. Not being able to go to a normal school, having to go to a special school. Um, Going to the toilet, Kev, I had to have special um, pants made so I could go to the toilet. It was a nightmare. And how old were you? Five, Kev. It, it, it was a nightmare, Kev. I'm thinking about it now. It just brings back memories. It seems like yesterday. Now I'm thinking about it. I haven't had that thought for years now. We're talking about it. It, it feels like it was yesterday, you know. And I imagine, you know, being probably the only Jamaican kid there... So you're already sticking it. That's right. Then you know, your legs. Kevin, that, that's right, Kev. Because don't forget back them times... There was hardly any black kids around and there was no, you know, how, how can I say, it's, times have changed now. We've got a lot of mixed nationalities, multicultural. Back then it weren't like that. So if I was in a school, whether it was in a special school or whether it in my normal school, there's probably about two or three black lads, you probably get one Asian. And that was it. You know what I mean? It's not like now. It's not, it weren't that way. You didn't really see many, any mixed kids, you know, um... I don't know, it's a special name. We now have to call them mixed race. I have mixed to be careful race. what I yeah. say, because even my, my lad and Mrs. say, oh, you can't use that word anymore. I said, bloody hell. We didn't have that. Excuse my language, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't have we didn't have that kind of mixed race. It was, we have our new half cast. And I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know, because that's what we knew. I didn't know it was wrong for me to say that. Cause, isn't it funny? Like, you know? You there, a, a black man. Mm. My wife's mixed race. And, yeah. As you say, that is how language has evolved. That's right. And there's no malice in it. No. You know when someone, me and Quinton, my best mate, Casper, yeah. we've grown up all our life. You're a lovely guy, Quinton. Always, oh, very well. There's nothing worse than a polite mm. racist mm -hmm. who's saying all the right words but yeah. has got malice mm. in his heart. Yeah. But when, you, when you're when you trying to say the right thing and you, you stumble on your words, 
That's not racism. That's just yeah. being misinformed, isn't it? It's we misinformed. Last week, no. sorry. It's carry on. Sorry, Lee. Yeah, you we, carry had, on. we had a bit of that last week, didn't we? With um, with Josh and Lee, come on to talk about um, LGBTQIA plus plus. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you, it, again, you'd, you'd have to remember that. And if you'd have got that wrong, there would have been no malice in what mm. you were saying. It was just. It's a lot of letters and where to put them, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely, anyone who wants to catch up, that should be out tomorrow on our uh, Facebook platform, uh, Facebook, YouTube, all the others. Um, and it's a fascinating conversation, not only about that, but about uh, the abuse, that the domestic abuse that men can suffer as well. Yeah. What we're saying, though, it, it, it's like, uh, we, you were your boxing, but like, what you've overcome there, and I imagine, you know, you've already been separated out and then having a disability which it was yeah and how easy it would have been to become a wallflower just blending because as a child and i had this with my eyes you want to be normal yeah as a child you just oh i definitely just want to fit can. in i just want to, it's not until you get older you mm. want to be extraordinary yes. you want to be the man yeah but as a kid you just go i will do anything mm. just to fit in it's true isn't it funny how you, your mind changed from then to now and as you're younger, you, how you, you want to fit in, you know? Isn't it funny how, as you get older, things change? You know what I mean, Kev? And considering, like, that young five-year-old Harvey, me too, mm. then, as I say, I, how I remember Harvey, I only found out about his, having poorly legs today, because yeah, yeah. how I remember Harvey, me too, was this athlete who could run on his hands, and you asked him, and he was saying he could do the splits. He, he was the, one of the finest specimens of athlete mm. I've ever seen. I've been around some of the top athletes in my life, but I remember as a child thinking, wow, this guy is superhuman. Yeah, but who would have thought that baby would have been that man mm-hmm. and then that man going to have a hundred professional bands. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. and I, I love the saying, impossible is a large word that small-minded people throw around yeah. to stop other people achieving. It's right though, isn't it? Hey Kev, isn't that true? Isn't that so true? That and, word saying that. And so, so you've and how did you get into gymnastics? How was that just to strengthen your, your you, body? You know what, Kev? My my older brother got me into that. He always seemed my older brother always seemed to be very good at doing certain things like that. And um, we always watch people doing backflips and um, top back somersaults together and that kind of thing. And I decided I wanted to get into it, so I went to a proper place in Birmingham called the BAI, the Birmingham Athletic Institute. Which took me about a week to learn to do them sort of things. Tumbling, it was it was a tumbling, tumbling. We specialised in tumbling with a lot of back flicks and somersaults and twists and stuff. And you know, within a week, it took me about a week to learn. And all what happened, I just got better at it. But it didn't take me long to learn. I always seemed um, very agile. The only thing is, kept out to stop having an injury. I don't know if you knew about that. I'd have a, um, a screw put in my wrist. So I was unable to continue doing that because I fell. It weren't a gymnastics I hurt my wrist and it was in I fell at work off a um, off a lorry and fell like that. And it caused me to have had to have a screw put in my wrist. So I, I couldn't continue anymore. Um if it weren't for that I would have continued. Because but be, um, I enjoyed it. Because people see these the, the acrobatics and go, Oh mm. well that's you know, an old way of thinking. Mm. We know better than this. Oh that's a girl sport. But the physique and the strength those athletes have. Mm. When I love watching the, uh, the athletics in, uh, in the Olympics, when on the bars yeah. and on the on the rings, and absolutely the, brilliant, Kev. The overall yeah. power and athletic 
athleticism, if that's the right word, yeah. to then go into boxing. I mean, and you know, so, after, so you've you've um, you've gone and won your novice title, then you've uh, you've gone pro, and as we were saying off uh, off air, there wasn't the trainers we had in the Midlands. We've always been considering we're the the biggest borough in the country, yeah. especially around the Birmingham, the Black Country. Mm. We're the second biggest to London. That's right. And we have, we've never had... The pro- we've got better. We've now got... Uh, better. We've got a bit better. Errol and Peg and, yeah. you know, Genty down the road. We've, yeah. we're, we're now on the way. We, we, we have got a hell of a lot better. Oh, yeah, we have. Back in the 90s, you know. It, for some reason, it, were, it was never very good, was it? Who did we have? Nobby, who went with Nobby and, and Pat Carradell. And that was it. There was no other trainers... And then, Kev, when you did have people like Tony Wilson from Wolverhampton, probably the la- one of the last persons at the time to win a British title, they weren't with people here. They were with trainers in London, weren't they? Yeah. You know. So, um, back then, if there was anybody in the middle, they'd travel to London to train there. And, and Wayne Alcock. You know what I mean? Same, Wayne Alcock. Um, Frank Maloney, was it not? Frank Maloney. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He that- didn't do what he'd done here. He achieved, he'd done quite well. Um, Wayne he achieved a lot of good titles which again he was with a promoter down London but I had to have said you know when you know I mean? you've got a family you're trying to make a crust mm. then you're trying to box then you're trying to train it's a lot isn't it it's really hard you know what unfortunately Kev you know what I've done before I started I always had the miss I always had the well it was my girlfriend at the time she'd always been with me but I put that on hold and done all my boxing stuff I don't know I would have been able to... Like some of the lads now, we have, have kids and they're boxing. I don't know how they cope. How, do, how would you cope? Oh, I've got my kids now. I struggle to do what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I really do. And we think, when we turn pro, I'm going to... You know what? I've done all right. I'm going to be Ricky Atten. I'm mm-hmm. going to sell out Wembley. I'm going to have uh, 60,000, 100,000 people come. I'm going to be a millionaire. You know what, That Kim? is one in a... Billion. You know what, Kev? I think that we all think think like that until it comes to it. It's, it's just a hard thing to do. You look around and you realise it's not as easy as that. It looks good when you see it, but nowhere is it easier as that. Even me thought that way. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I think there's quite a lot of people think that way. You, you, you look at people like the, the likes of Howard Clark and Clark, what a boxer. Yeah, what a what what a fighter. A lot of good fighters. You you would have you know would have thought what would have been it and haven't. Because it's such a hard, it's a hard thing. It's about being in the right place at the right time. Would you guys agree? Because oh, yeah. it's it's not everybody what has that wants that wants to be like that, but it don't end up being like that. So that's a perfect example to use, Ricky Atten, and you see that yeah, I'm going to be like that, but it just never goes that way, and, you know. Uh, and then certain fighters you have, sorry, sorry, Kev, you, certain certain fighters you have going the sport. To be a journeyman, and it ends up ends up going that way for them, and that's fantastic. And you got to take that hat off to them, and wish them all the best and fair play to them. Well, two, I mean, like, like lads who've turned pro from the line, and everyone wants to take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have ten ticks off you off. I'll have ten ticks. Yeah. And then the week of the show, they drop out, and they drop. The, and unless you solve a certain quote. Your thoughts going to drop out, or your purse is going dead, unless you're a journeyman. Yeah. And then, before you know it, you're not getting the fight because everyone wants to come to your first one, maybe a second. But then, when fights naturally get cancelled, and it's they, we can't sell a ticket for ten pound to Brolyel Civic, but then you go pro and it's fifty pound, 
It's odd to set them in it. Is, this... I can imagine, sorry, next, sorry. next to making weight. That's one of the hardest oh, yeah. things for a pro boxer. You know what I say, Lee and Kev, you know, isn't it hard enough to sort yourself out to mm. fight? Having the nerves doing that, never mind selling tickets. I mean, it's hard now. Someone says, oh, some of these promoters won't even bother if you haven't sold enough tickets, you yeah. know. I didn't know that. What do you do? I mean, isn't it hard enough and stressful enough? Well, that uh, you added more stress on yourself having to sell tickets because isn't it hard enough and nerve-wracking enough to make weight? And, you know, you're absolutely bricking it to go and fight. Isn't that hard enough? As well as having to, you know... Having the hassle of selling tickets on top of the well, and they're thinking, "Man, am I going to be able to sell enough tickets?" And people start pulling out, and they they can't come. And what do you do then? Yeah, and you I'm know, like, I've known like Quinton. The noise before, you know, and he come round my flat before I was about okay, and a bit. There's nothing else I can do. So and so has let me down. So and so, I'm going to end up not making anything. And mm. and as you say, you you're nervous about your training, the fight, and then you've got to worry about the plonkers. Mm. And if you just say, "Sorry, brother, I can't come." Fine, but they'll hang it on right to the day, and you know, I mean, and then as you say, then journeymen and people, and they'll say, Oh, these journeymen, they go in there, and there's a fine art to being a successful journeyman, in that. yeah, because you've got to go in there, you've got to be fit, you've got to get ready, mm. you can't get cut, that's right, it's you so... can't get stopped because mm. you want to be there the next week, that's right, that. you know, I mean, you know what, Kev, it's such a hard thing to do. You know, because don't forget, you got to go in there and you're not going to win. And that's, as a journeyman, <clears throat> you're not there to win. You're just there to give a fighter a workout, aren't you? So you got to be able to be fit enough to go the distance and not get stopped. Because not forget, if you do get stopped, uh, 30, 30 days a month, you can't fight for a month. <laughs> and that's it. You're not going to be making any money. So you got to be able to be fit. And, and sometimes... Kev, you know, you got some dangerous guys there. They're going in there not to win. They're going in there to knock you out and rip you off. You've got to be able to go in there and know the tricks to keep up close and grab onto the arm and slow down the pace, move around, you know, be able to sort of fight for, fight for a minute out of three minutes, that kind of thing. You've got to know all the tricks. It really isn't really quite a hard thing to do. It takes a bit of practice. And like yourself, anything can happen. You can get caught and then you got to wait longer than a month for that cut to heal. So to be a journeyman, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's, it's quite an uh, it's an art to be able to become a journeyman. Um, it's not it's not as easy as people think. And then being stopped, that's the last thing you want to do. I mean, you get stopped, you're off straight away. There you go, a month, you're I can off. Imagine as well, um, oh, that these boxes are really going out there to try and stop you as well because oh, they definitely. know how hard it is to do it yeah because like, uh, uh, you're trying your best not to get yeah. stopped you're trying to get, bit, try your best not to get stopped and he's, he's trying his best to take your head off <laughs> and then so, you've such got to a go, hard thing. go to work the next day that's right going with two black holes yeah. nose by your ear holes yeah. and... which, which used to sometimes happen a lot very very rarely though Kev you know I, I never went in, into work the next day with any black eyes or, or cuts not once in a blue moon but yeah that as well um going into work the, the next day after you, you've been in for a fight you know um worrying about cuts worrying about black eye, black eyes it's not very nice it was that was something you had to try and do um going to a fight and that not happening which sometimes it did happen 
Kevin Lee, but very rare, very rare. Can I also ask you about, um, obviously, I think it was Peter Buckley where he had the newspaper splash saying world's worst boxer and all this. And Oh, that that upset me then. Yeah, well, it's, I don't think, it's people who don't understand don't, don't the understand, art of it, Yeah, do don't they? understand the art of it. I mean, but do, you, do you find that yourself, that people look at your record and kind of go, well, he, he must be rubbish? Yeah, that's happened. I mean, Lee, my, even, my own lad said that to me. I said nothing, just I just laughed and just left it at that. Well, I watched yeah, you as yeah, a young man. But, but, I, I remember <laughs> being far from you of the business. You yeah, my, my, my lad actually, excuse my language, my lad has to use the word crap. Dad, you you were crap. We can get away with that word. We can get away with that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, said, that's the limit, then. Yeah, the, the, amount, the amount of fights you've lost, well, I just chuckled to myself and said nothing more. <laughs> Coming from him because when you when you turned pro, <laughs> you said you, you didn't go in to be a journeyman. No, I didn't. Did you want to tell us a bit about? Yeah, that? I didn't go in the sport to be. You know, Kevin, I thought I'd even be able to. Especially, especially the way your dad taught me. Honestly, the way your dad taught taught me, I was so confident. I thought I'd be able to go in, the, go and box like that, box someone's head off, and get the decisions. But no, nah, it didn't go like that. Okay, even my first, first, my first pro fight, I went in against a guy called Alan Bosworth, so I was having, making my pro debut. I had this; that was my first fight, and he had five fights and never lost one. And if it, when I look at it, I, I don't know. You could have even said it was a draw; it was a close fight. You, you know, Kevin, you ever get the chance to look? Go and look on YouTube. Um, Nobby didn't was it, Nobby weren't even even in my corner. I weren't bothered because I was confident anyway. Peter Buckley was in my corner. Peter Buckley took me for my first fight. Um, not Nobby, and I weren't bothered. You know, I was confident. You know, I, I thought it was a close fight, and it probably, it probably could have even been a draw. But nah, you know, I lost an half a point. <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, I've had ref, ref says, oh, referee say to me, even now he says, oh, you weren't in a, a stable where you were meant to win. Referees knew that. They, they see you look in the corner, see where you're Nobby, and, and you've lost before you fought. You know, I was shocked by that. Do, do you regret the decision of going down that route now? Would you? You know what, Lee? Nah. At the time, I did, but when I started, but halfway through, nah, I thought, ah, you know what? You got Peter. There were pe people like Peter, Peter Buckley, Brian Coleman, Carl Taylor. They were all very good fighters, and they all went down that route, you know. And I thought, bloody hell, these guys are good fighters. And I, excuse my language, sorry. That's all right. Yeah, and I, I myself, I thought, you know, these guys are, are fantastic fighters. Guys, what had won titles, you know? Carl Taylor won a Midland title, fought for a British title. He fought a fella called Michael Ayers, who he got a draw against, and he was a, a phenomenal fighter. And Carl fought for a British title, but he won a Midland title. Peter Buckley, two Midland, fight, Midland titles. Um, I think one at Bantam or Super Bantam and Featherweight. Or featherweight, super featherweight, won two titles. Anthony Anna fought for a British title, fought for a Midland title. These guys are honestly fantastic fighters and winning with really good, skilled guys. And I looked at them, and I looked, I sort of took a leaf out of their book. I thought, you know what, hey, you know, stop and do what I'm going to do, do what they've done, and that's what happened. You know what I mean? But to start with. That weren't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a contender, you know, a fella to win a, a middle in a British title at least. 
that's how you think in your mind and that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know the sport was the way it was. But, you know, I took a leaf out of Brian Coleman, Peter Buckley, Anthony Anna, um, Carl Taylor, them guys, and thought, hey, I'll do what they're doing. And I'll say it again, them guys were very good fighters and should have achieved winning British Commonwealth titles, in my opinion. They had the tools and they certainly could fight. You know. They're just not very good ticket sellers. You know, we all forget all about this. I, I didn't know. I think, Kev, I never knew all about that. I didn't even know all about that. Which one? The, the, ticking, the ticket selling thing. I mean, Kev, it weren't a big thing back then, was it really? In selling loads of tickets. I don't know. It is now. But, but that it, weren't always a situation, was it? What he was trying to tell lads, it's like you're making, they're being crass, you make, if you can make your pimp happy, he will look after you. Mm -hmm. And if you can, and my dad always tells me a story like someone else, uh, Kev Dillon, I always won the ABAs five times, best lad in the country. Have mm -hmm. a ticket yourself, he'll bring his mum, no thank you. Or you've got Lee Cadman, he's had 100, won one, but he's going to sell out Wembley. Yeah. I'll sign him, I'll, I'll, I'll find him the right person to beat. That's what it's all about though, isn't it, Kev? And that's what we're trying to say to our lads and women. Yeah. If you're going to go pro, and we're having a show at the Wilson or Bridal or Civic, yeah. get your gang used to coming in mm. and paying. Because if you can't sell the tickets, you won't have those opportunities. Kev, you know, there was something going on at the Civic Hall a few years ago. You know, it was for people who had fought at the Civic Hall. Mm. If you'd fought at the Civic Hall, they were giving out certificates and... Badges, um, medals, and there was a museum going on at the same time. And I went down there in the day, and a few of the boxing boards saw me down there. I didn't go down there for that. I went down there just to have a look what was going on. And they says, "Oh, we can't believe that you have never fought at the Civic Hall." But you know what? I realised, Kev. I don't know if it paid good wages there, and what Nobby used to do for me, he used to try and get me the best money he could get me. So what Nobby was doing, Nobby took me to places down London to fight, Bethnal Green, York Hall and them kind of places where the Percy's were big. And one of the reasons is all I can think is why he didn't take me there because they weren't paying the kind of money I was getting when I was fighting on these big cards. And that's why I never fought at the Civic. Because they were saying, we can't believe you've never fought here. I mean, and I realised that's why I never fought there. You know, that's some experience you've probably boxed in some of the best venues. Big venues, big under, big undercards, all the hand, Harrison undercards, um, that kind of thing. Big undercards, or, you know, big massive builds. I was always on the undercard. Um, world title, where there was a lot of world title fights under the, under the undercard. It's say, Nobby, Nobby'd say, oh, you have to be able to look after yourself to fight under these, these cards, and you're always fighting on them, is what he used to say to me. I was always under the big card, never fought on a little, very, very rare. I fought on a small show. One time I fought at the, um, the hotel just over here. Oh, the cop phone. The cop phone. That's the only time I've ever fought on a, a small show, on a one. You know. Oh, typical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, once you, once you can't, like you were saying, like, thank goodness then God, it taught you the ropes because. Yeah. My dad and Big John and Snooksy and Dennis Jackson, all the coaches at Wally and John, uh, Johnny Dick, they would have taught you boxing fundamentals. They would That's have right. taught you the nitty gritty no. of being a journeyman. No. So it's good your brothers were there. To show, if we're yeah. going down this route, we're going to show you something that them guys aren't going to teach you. No. That's right. 
and that way you've had a longer life. You've mm. had your, your boxing pedigree, yeah. But then you've had to learn if I'm in the trenches, how to survive. You know what, Kev? You're spot on. You know, and that's what it was all about. You know what? If I was trying to win fights the way I, I was taught and stuff, I, I just wouldn't have been able to go on as long as I, I would. Would I? If you look at it that way, the way how your dad taught me to fight, fantastically. I wouldn't have had a long career, would I? If I was going in the way your dad taught me, trying to win every fight, mm. I just don't think I would be able to do it. But when you've had like 100 bouts, yeah. some of the names on your card, who, who, mm. Junior... Jun, ju, junior Witter. You know, Kev, you know Steve Bunce? You know he'd done an interview with me and he, he'd done his research. I didn't realise I fought about 15 British champions. Mm. I never knew that. And a couple of world champions to go on to win world champions. I had no idea. And who would you say was the best? You know what? I fought a guy from Scotland. He was a bit heavier, a Scottish fella, and he was probably, but he was a bit heavier than me. And he gave me a bit of a beating, even though I went the, the full round with him. I thought it was quite an hard fight. Maybe one of my hardest fights, if not the hardest fight. Yeah, but he went on to win a Commonwealth title um, at light middle from Scotland. What would you tell people if they're looking down this route and they want to go and be a pro or if they want to get in? Because I've, I've got some a very good friend of mine, um, Christian Marin, he's got, he's, he boxed me for years now, he's going pro and he wants to do a journeyman. What advice would you give them? Well, to be quite honest, Kev, you know, like your, your dad wanted me to stay amateur. You give me a right rollicking you did. I got, I, got scared. I, got, I got scared and I hid I hid I hid from him for a few years, you know. I don't know if you knew this, but he I got scared of him and hid from him for a while because he didn't want me to go. And I think that advice from him was fantastic. And and you should have listened, Kev, you know. That's the the best advice. I don't know if it's a good advice to go and become a journeyman, it's best to learn your amateur. You know, Kev, I don't know if I'd be able to do what I'd done. If I never had all the training from your dad, I don't think it's something you can just go and learn like that. I think you need to be an amateur to do a bit before you can do that. If you look at a lot of these journeymen, they're good. They're pretty good amateurs and had amateur careers. Peter Buckley had a good amateur career. You know what I mean? One or two of them who haven't had many amateur fights. They've done well in the amateurs. Frank O'Sullivan had a fighter, Brian Coleman. He had about 170 odd professional fights but all the fights he had with Frank he had about four or five amateur fights he won them all I don't think you can just say go into that game and become a journeyman you have to be learn you got to have a bit of experience it's not something you can just do you can't just be a punch back nah because nah you, you gotta you gotta know last. that's right you won't last you don't want to be like you said Kev you don't want to be a punch back you don't want to be a uh, face battered and you sound punch drunk you don't want to be like that you know I like to think I'm not like that. No, <laughs> and it's a shame, like with um, and I, I don't know how you feel, but like some of the the veterans coming back out the game, like um, Holyfield just doing it, and Mike Toss. Oh, I and, don't like that. I don't want to one day hear that Nigel Ben. God, I hope it doesn't have Nigel Ben or Chris Hubert or Mike Toss on legs. Someone who I've grown up idolising at the age of fifty odd, yeah. sixty odd, goes because they. Your brain and your body's two different things. Your brain's still going, I can do it. Because oh, the last thing to go is not your power, it's your reaction. That's right. And what a man can have, 
get punched in the face at 20 or 30 is different. He's 50. Right. He's right. And I would hate, and I hope it doesn't happen, that we see a fatality when boxing's moved on so far in the game mm. and we lose a legend. We, we don't lose anyone in the ring, a YouTuber, an athlete. Uh, but I, I don't agree with you personally. You know, Kev, I said this once or twice, and I'll always say this. You know, when you go into boxing, when your career is time to finish, finish. Don't finish your career and then come back. And there are the times where you're probably going to get hurt. Go in your career thinking that this is something what has to come to an end. Like everything has to come to an end. What jobs you do in the workplace will come to an end. You'll do it till it finishes. It's just that whether it's boxing or football, it's a sh short career. Going in, go into that career knowing it's a short career and it's going to come to an end. And when it does, that's it. Don't end thinking you're going to come back because that's the limited times when you're going to probably get hurt. And it's, like, you know. it's not like a kid who's boxed last year, had a year off and come back. No. Somebody's boxed, they've boxing over 20 years. Yeah. And who has 20 years off and gets better? The the, the, the oldest field thing, it was, it was a disgrace when it, it really was. It, it should never have happened and he was lucky um, he didn't get hurt. Mm. Yeah, I, it, I mean... Mm. Mentioned Tristics, and again, absolutely fantastic podcast. But he also yeah. brought out a book recently called Damage, which I highly recommend everyone oh, reading who's oh, getting into boxing. I've heard him going on about it. In it's his, um, it's fantastic, but he, mm. he he talks about the effects of CTE on on the boxers' brains, basically, and yeah, highly recommend it. Because it is a scary, it's absolutely frightening that these legends are coming back. And you saw it with Holyfield; it was terrible. He shouldn't have been anywhere near that ring. You saw it in his pad work before. Yeah. You didn't. He didn't need to go into the ring. It didn't need. That that's right. That Someone was saying that to me, saying, "Oh, you know, um, a, f a fella from Wally actually, a fella called Roy Jones, he was saying, oh, if you could see on the pad work, you know, that um, he was really slow and he didn't look very effective. And it, it's true. We, you know, we Tyson done very well, but we can't. We're not all Tyson and." Majority of people, people fight differently and work off reflexes and different things. And we're not all the same, are we? You know, one might, one man might be able to do that, but majority of us won't be able to to do that. You know, um, and I, my again, my opinion is when your career has finished, just leave it at that because you you know you've been out of the game for a long time. You're never going to be able to do your reaction, your your feet, your legs go, your reflexes go. You know, I mean, why anybody would want to get get it, and to get it is very painful. I don't know. And like, like said, Mike Tyson, he left. He lost Lex Luger, who before, but he started apart from Lex he was losing to like Danny Williams, and mm. he was losing, and he was in his first year. Yeah. And if he's losing to no disrespect to Danny Williams, but losing to Danny Williams after being I'm Mike Tyson, how's he going to have got better with twenty years on the tank? Yeah. You know, at that time you're thinking, yeah. I'm not making on this anymore. The shots are coming hard, and you don't have 20 years off, especially in the fight game. It's not like the Rolling Stones who can come back this and, right. and put a performance on in this the right. 70s. Boxing's a lonely old sport. Isn't it is it? a lonely old old sport, Kevin. You know what's bad, Kevin? Is when you're going in there doing it for the money, that's really bad. And you're getting, you're getting you know, the old beating out of you. It's a bad thing. Find something. There's plenty of other things you can do rather than doing boxing for money because doing that for money you're not going to live to be able to spend the money you're just getting your head punched around you know you need to be stopped some money to stop some of these fighters yes. from carrying on you know you shouldn't have the choice when you 
unable to throw a punch or take a shot and you're being beaten, you shouldn't be able to say, I want to carry on. There should be something or somebody to stop well, you getting beaten, you, you know. You've got to start questioning the promoters who are putting these on, yes. you, and the managers who are letting these, because there's, there's, there's enough people earn money off those yeah. Tyson fight, the Odefield fight. There's yeah. enough people who are earning money off those that should stop and go, actually, this just isn't right. No. Because everyone, you know, we did have um, Bernard Hopkins who boxed into just before he's 50 or yeah. just over his 50. But it's a one-off. It's a one-off, though. He's, he's a, he was an odd man, not working off reflexes, but working off being able to defend shots on it. He was a different fighter when he... He, he weren't reflexes with him, was it? When you look at how he fought, he could move his head and move... But he didn't, like... He didn't work off reflexes exactly. He was he was good at what he so, done. To me, he was almost like a journeyman. He yeah. knew how not to get hit. Yeah, that's... But then be effective on the other end of it. You know what, Lee? That, that's a, a fantastic... Um, example of it explaining you know at what he done he could defend well like a journeyman but throw shots back couldn't he yeah he could almost uh, old man you out the, out the which is what a german fan, knows the fan, tricks, fantastic grab, without, grab without yeah without throwing all the shots he threw but yeah doing that and hitting you hitting, mm. when he did you he did you hard all the time every hard every shot was a hard shot when it but not everyone's like him and, no. and not everyone's brain reacts to getting that's so, right. And you know, you look at your, your Tysons of this world who mm. probably actually didn't take that many beatings as such. They never know, he, did they? Because he used to get knocked out and he'd yeah. go down, whereas our Holyfield mm. was in wars. He was in absolutely he was. in wars. And you, you know what, Lee? Lee and um, Lee and Kev, you see him as an example, Tyson, Mike Tyson. We know he lost, but he probably, in all them fights, you know, he probably lost about five fights where he was stuck. But look what. What, what look what he achieved in his career? He never he never took a shot, did he? Because he always bobbed and weaved out of him. Mm -hmm. So he never took a shot. So you know. Where's your say like the Evander Holyfield? And it's only been recently. I mean, I've always loved Evander, but I've watched him recently. And I'm thinking this guy as a natural cruiserweight fought big uh, uh, Daddy Bo, um, yeah, Riddick Bo, Lennox Lewis, Mike, and these were fought big guys, massive heavyweights. They're like mm -hmm. it was the start of the big. Heavyweight, as we, yeah. you know, the super heavyweights. That's right. And he beat him, boxed with him, but he took, he, he had to get it to hit him. But you can see how he talks and he moves compared to like the Lennox Lewis's of yeah. the world. Even Kev, even if you look at people like the likes of Roy Jones, yeah. we know he's lost, but look what he achieved oh, yeah. at that career. Everything was achieved. Weren't they hitting up heat? Yeah. Them last few fights, oh, but the, mm. most of his career was a good career when he's. But it's uh, what was it saying about like with um, um, uh, what's he called? Um, Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, Bernard. He, he, he went on later, but he was consistent. That's right. He, he didn't have a 10 year layoff. No, he was very consistent, my friend. He and never had a layoff. He never did. In that career he had, it was consistent, a consistent career where he never had a break until he actually retired. I think people forget how much he lived the life. Of that's the right. As well. That's he was, right. He was no alcohol. No. No. no that's right. That's right. He, he lived a he lived a clean life, mm -hmm. and as long as you do them things, you know. But even if I mean, like we were saying, like um, you we were talking a few years ago, and through um, how many amateur bets you had, then hundred um, professional bets, and then to have a, a detached retina boy having a pillow fight with a baby. Yeah, with a baby, a pillow fight. That weren't boxing. That was, you know, they, everyone can say it was blame it on the, you know, when you go to, 
What I don't like is when you go to hospitals and that, they like to try and blame it on that, don't they? Have you noticed? They always try to blame it on that kind of thing. It had nothing to do with that. Oh, well, it, it didn't help. But listen, it, I got it with a cushion and that caused my retina detachment. But isn't it the mad thing of life? You've been a warrior all your life and then just having a pillow fight. Yeah. And that, sometimes we, 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 we all know boxing is a dangerous sport. But look at the lifetime friends, opportunities, memories, yeah. And it is give you, and it's like what it's people right. say about headbutting a football. And they say, oh, well, he could give you Alzheimer's football. I could get Alzheimer's anyway. Yeah. But look at all the happiness it's right. sport has brought me. And not just that, Kev, it was a while ago, yet it only seems like yesterday. And you still see these people now. You know, it's nice, isn't it? Um, how they're still around. People like, like yourself. You know, it only seems like yesterday, then it's when I was doing these jumps and yeah. walking on my hands. You're right, yeah, with me. Yeah. It was only a baby. It only seemed like yesterday, my friend. And it's saying, as we were saying earlier, like from the Wally days to the Lions days, what I, I love about boxing is you see someone like myself who you saw as a kid who was down, man, or you see the people you, you saw three to four to five days a week, you've travelled the country, yeah. and you go, what are you doing? I'm a daddy now, yeah. or I'm a coach, or I, and it's and it's that genuine well done or i made it or i've i'm getting over cancer and it's a genuine concern yeah and that's what the outsiders looking in to boxing especially amateur boxing some people like yourself didn't have that biological family mm -hmm. or some people have been thrown on the scrappy because they've been in trouble at school yeah or been in school in trouble right. with the law and you can go somewhere well, it doesn't matter if you've got money in your pocket, what colour you are, what religion you are, what sexuality you are, because you are a warly warrior, you are a lion, you are a priory boxer, and that is a family that you will have for the rest of your life. Yeah, very true. Very but, true. But I think what... And you, Kevin, it just seems like yesterday, and I see you guys. It does. I see you. I saw... Um, I went with you, John. The other day, Big John, oh, Johnny Dicks, John, oh, Big John, oh, Big John, on Merry Hill. The other day, yeah. I, was, I saw him and I waved, and he, I, I didn't expect him. He came over. I thought, how nice. Yeah. I was waving just to say hello because I was waiting for. I was having a, a phone case cover put on my phone, yeah. so I was waiting for the block to do that, and I waved at him. Well, him and his, what's his wife's name? Leslie. Okay, Leslie. They both came over. I thought, how nice. Yeah. It should be me going over to them, not them coming over to me. And I, you know, I gave her a hug. Well, I gave them both a hug. It was yeah. lovely to see him. But I thought, how oh, nice, they're coming, coming over to me. I should be going over to them. But, you know, I could see they were busy. And I thought, I called them and waved to them. That's enough. I'm in my case done. But they come out their way and they came over to see me and speak to me for a while. And I thought to myself, wow, how nice is that? <laughs> is what I thought. <laughs> well, we had someone called the club last night, Andy Maloney, come to our support group. He's was, he was a lovely bloke, isn't he? He's coming on the 9th of December. Uh, and he came to have a look at the club last night. Yeah. He says, Kev, I'm just stood on the car park. And the club, and it's not just the Lions, I'm not just bragging about my club, but this is my club, but most clubs are like this. Yeah. It says you could feel the pulse of respect, hard work, and love. And he said, and kids nowadays, they've got such a bad rap of, they're all hooligans and no one's got manners. And you come to this place where everyone is a lawyer, everyone is loved. And he went, but the real world doesn't see this. No, they don't. And all it would take is one of these old veterans dying, 
and Proxy will be sent back to the 80s and 90s where we're banned from the district of Dudley and we're banned from schools. Uh-huh. Amateur boxing especially is run so well with so many rules and loopholes we have to jump through where people have to be around about the same experience, the same weight, the yeah. same age and all this. You've got cornermen who love them, not their own child, and if they're in trouble, the towel's in. Yeah. You've got referees who are there to give standing eight. You've got doctors. And people say, look, oh, would you let your daughter get in boxing? Well, I would rather, my daughter will do whatever she wants to do. Yeah. But I would feel safer her doing boxing, where there's cornermen, doctors, than her horse riding, because quite frankly, I don't speak horse. And if that horse don't want her on the back, <laughs> it's getting rid of her. See, Kev, the very sad thing is, you see, majority of people, like you've just said, you know, don't know what we know. <clears throat> they don't know what we know, excuse me. Where have you just said about the cornerman, what loves you, and you have people what's doing the rules? And majority of people don't know these things. People think you're a boxer, you're a tough nut, you're a troublemaker. They don't see that you go into these kind of places, will discipline you, will make you respect people, show people love, and that kind of thing. No one knows about these kind of things. They just think that you go into learn boxing and you're a thug and you're a rough and hard man. They don't see that side. And it's sad to say, this is the majority of people what don't know. Well, how many times like, when I'm teaching schools or cancer centers, they go, oh, I, I don't need to teach these hooligans how to fight. Well, 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 I'm not teaching hooligans mm. how to fight. I'm stopping these people from being hooligans. That's right. I'm teaching these, some of the hardest yeah. men I've ever met in my life have been the kindest men yeah. you'll ever meet. The people who are out bullying, they're not nine times out of ten boxers. You know, it's... And normally, and I'm not, not, not knocking football, but normally when it does kick off a shirt, it's the, the Villa versus Wolves or the Blues, and yeah. it's the football violence that's coming to the boxing. Because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, the crowd, it's not the boxers, it might be the silly Billy uncle or the dad who's had too many bevies, but it's very few of the boxers kicking off, is it? Yeah. And I can count on one hand how many times I've seen fights yeah. at a show. Because people are there to watch boxing. Like you say, it's never the boxers, it no. never will be them. They'd rather get out of there, yeah. not get involved. It's the, the, the ones who drink and throw glasses and that kind of thing, the ones watching it. And I have to say this, no matter what rough hole you go to, in every ghetto, every room, where the police don't want to go, you'll find a boxing gym. Mm. Because that is like their church. That's right, their it's right. It's somewhere where they can go. And not be judged. True, that is. And be loved. I'm hungry. Don't worry, Auntie Julie. I'll mm. give you a chicken. Or, yeah. oh, go and have a. You're cold. Go and get yourself a jumper from beyond yeah. there. And that's what they do. And uh, how many people I know throughout my, my boxing life, yeah. you will have the old scallywags who will come and just be there, not to train, just to feel safe. And have all the people you've trained with, not uh, me and my dad were saying this. At the hundred percent of boxers, what thirty percent of people in the gym actually box? Mm-hmm. The other seventy people are keep fitters, keep coaches, fit. and the boxing is just as important to them as it has been to you because it's yeah. give them confidence, mm-hmm. family, fitness. And if you think how many lives boxing must have saved, it's right that is. You helped me a lot, you know. Your dad, John Diggs, didn't even make me pay, you know, because yeah. the fact that I couldn't really afford anyway. But you know, they didn't. You know what I mean? It was it was fifty fifty pence at the time. I used to go four 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 times a week. I even ended up um, working with a special needs. I don't know if you guys knew that, but our gym, as Kevin knew, in the day, 
they had special needs kids there and we'd done activities with them and I'd go work there in the day I ended up training doing the boxing there but ended up working there with these special needs just for free and then, you know I got a lot of love doing that just seeing their that was enough I weren't bothered about nothing else seeing them smiling while you were doing games and that kind of thing with them and I really enjoyed it you know and people forget it's about boxing but it's not just about the sparring the competing um, who is he? Uh, the coach from um, Troy Witch. Um, Jeff? Ch no, no, Jeff Adams. He works at uh, the head coach. is Charlie Dalv. Okay. Charlie Dalv. Is, is he the very old fella? No, no, no. Uh, Chris Andrews. Charlie Dalv. He used to box. He boxed Ricky, uh, Ricky Summers. Okay. Of but he, he is now doing a thing called Box Positive. Mm -hmm. And it works with people with Parkinson's disease. Yeah. Because it's great for your coordination, got your balance. And once again, Boxing hasn't got to be about the contest. That's right. It can be about confidence. Mm -hmm. Where are we now, as males, as human beings, allowed to go and hit something? Because mm -hmm. we live in this world where we've, we've got to be happy all the time. Yeah. Sometimes we want to go and lamp something. Yeah. But in a, not someone, but go and get it up. And boxing can help in so many different well, ways. Of course it can, mate. Of course it can. Punch, punch bags, hitting bags, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? We work with special needs school at the club, and it, it's so and youth offenders mm -hmm. because you're giving someone something, and especially the youth offenders and the naughty kids, and they're only naughty because school hasn't captured their attention. That's right. If you can give someone a, a well done, and you give them a certificate or a medal, and it's like they've they've just won a world title, because it's the first time that child, that young man, that young woman has been told well done. And you know, sometimes, Kev, I think in not just, in every school, you know, my, my lad is at a school called Windsor. Yeah, yeah, good school. Yeah. Uh, Kev, I don't know if it is a fantastic school, though. I don't know, sometimes they they give people on the, packs, on the backs what deserve it, all the clever ones, but those who aren't too good. What about giving them a pat on the back? Yes. Wouldn't that help? Do you think, do you think I'm wrong in saying that? All right, Kev, I don't know. I, I, try and help everybody and maybe you see better results not just help one who are clever everybody everybody's different and not everybody's clever kids are clever at different things you know you know uh, my lad, lad superb athletic superb athletics not fantastic he's all right but he am fantastic at doing that thing and sometimes kevy gets a bit of as we teachers you know how about giving him a pat on the back? He's not a bad child. Don't you find sometimes, like what I've noticed in working in the schools, you have the very, very good kids who will have help, and you have the very, very naughty kids who will have help. But that middle ground often gets left behind. You That's know? right. No, yeah. it's, I, it's I, right. I'm not an A star. Mm? I do attend school. Yeah. I, I'm not dyslexic. I'm not. But I try my best. But I, I, I survive. And you, they don't. You don't. They're, they don't take no 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 man's land no man's land Kev that was sort of like me because yeah. I was quiet never got into any trouble but struggle and sh shy scared to ask for help mm. you know sometimes that, that's that is a point what you've just said there where people struggle and there's no help for them but they could do with help there's always that kind in every school no matter where you are to do with work Kev you might be at school you might be in a job doing a job and what you said there it goes for everyone you have that kind of group in every industry and I think I think it's with like people who they work they work blooming on 
they're just on the breadline. Mm. You know, whereas if they signed off, they could get a lot more help. But they want to, and it's those. It's like once again, middle Britain. Yeah, and they're they're often the ones who really struggle in mm. in everything. Who are and they say God loves a trier, but sometimes yeah. society doesn't. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's, it's true, though, isn't it? And um, no. I, I see it with education, those kids, and there's so many different forms of smart. And what amazes me, education hasn't really changed. And what I remember is being not being able to see and uh, touch typies. The teacher would go and write it on the blackboard. Mm. And that was how we had to read through books, all right from the blackboard. Yeah. And I think there's seers, there's listeners, and there's doers. But if your only teacher's one way to be a seer, the other two groups struggle. That is, you know, Kev, again, that is fantastic there, what you're saying. I mean, Kev, what about in school where, you see, like in your situation, you probably have forgotten about and they probably haven't forgotten the majority, but they forgot about you. Same in another industry, you got everybody knows every, the questions, but there's one or two what don't. Yeah. He's forgotten. Yeah. Again, that happened in the same sort of thing. Is that what happened to you, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. It happened in, in where I went to school. Majority is clever. I struggle in certain things. Why aren't you helping me? I've forgotten about. Yeah. It's happened to me. I was clever in a different way. Yeah, I, I can understand that, Kev. The way, because I couldn't read and write, mm. and I couldn't just pick up the book. I have to, and this is why I don't sleep, but I regurgitate over and over yeah. and over. So that's the way I have to store information. Yeah. So I have to keep going over it. And yeah. I have to, but at, at the club, the reason why I believe I'm a good coach, mm. I was very lucky in life. I had some great teachers like my dad, like Big John, Mr. McKenzie was <laughs> yeah, brilliant. fantastic. And I had some horrific teachers who made me feel, and I learned as much off one as I did off the other. Yeah. How to make someone feel, Mm -hmm. and how to never make anyone feel. Yeah. And when I'm doing examples of the club, I will show how to throw a jab, I will talk, like at your arms, and so I, I try and show as many different ways yeah. as I can so no one is left out. Mm -hmm. And I remember teaching um, in a school, and there was deaf kids, and uh, there was a deaf kid, a blind kid, and fully able-bodied, and I made everyone feel inclusive. Yeah. The visually impaired person, I talk more. For the deaf person, I did more demonstrations. I and it was not leaving anyone out. But there was diff I could teach the whole room by adapting small things. That's fantastic, Kev. I wish some of these so-called meant to be fantastic schools done that kind of thing. But you know what? They don't. It's and it's nice that people like yourself what do that. Do it. I wish everybody done that. But it's only because everybody I don't do it. Because I've been through the rat race. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. That's right. So I haven't read how to feel mm -hmm. neglected. Mm -hmm. I was that kid. Mm -hmm. And you carry those scars your whole life, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. Always and, there, my friend. Always there. And I look at that child and I think, that poor boy or girl mm -hmm. just wants to fit in. And if yeah. I go, come here, Harvey, I'll, um, I'll, I'll walk you over. If you can, if everyone's noticing, everyone's noticing. Say with me. Let me... Let me be the normal kid, be aware that yeah. I am different, but don't make me stick out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. Include me in everything I can. Because my gold medal to be different to your gold medals, yeah. not be different to Calarose's gold medals. We will achieve our own gold medals, whatever yeah. they will be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes 100% sense. I understand you. And it's true. 
Yeah. And I think education has got so much better from when we were kids, but it's got so much further to go, hasn't it? Yeah. Certainly has got much further to go, Kevin. Situations where some people understand, but not all understand, and there seems to be a little problem with that still sometimes, Kev, you know. I think I think with that, there'll always be someone to understand. It's, but what we have got to do as parents is teach our children better. Mm. We can't expect education to teach them. We, no. The only way we're going to get rid of racism and prejudice, and how, we have got to teach our children better. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've got to do at home is teach our kids kindness. Mm-hmm. Teach our kids, and my, my daughter, and I, I, I said, if you want to learn about books, you talk to mommy. You want to learn about people you talk to daddy mm-hmm. and about empathy. If you see Lee's having a cry, you go have a hold of his hand and go, are you okay? Yeah. And that is things we can teach them. Mm-hmm. And it's something I talk to a lot of teachers and a lot of teachers, they're on this they're on this thing where they've got to meet Ofsted, they've got to do this. Yeah. Isn't just teaching. Yes, education. But education isn't just academics. Education is human skills that's right how many times do you have someone phone up the house phone and it's boxing lions what time back in the day we had a, we had a phone voice hello yeah. my name's Kevin I'm just inquiring about the lion yeah we've lost him simple human it's just so true though that is I totally agree you know it's true when you meet someone you shake their hand you look at them yeah how are you nothing worse when you're into a shop it's right. and she's on a mobile phone or, mm. or a receptionist she's looking at the uh, look at, and you're going Acknowledge I'm here. Yeah. I am human. Yeah. And all that, even if you go two seconds or I'm busy, and I want to feel acknowledged. And that's the same with t- with children. That's right. Acknowledge them because right. kids aren't thick. No. And you know mm. you're different, no matter what it is. And I, I say on this podcast a lot. The one thing that unites every person on this planet, we're all broken in some way. Yeah. Whether it's a disability. I'm too slim, I'm too good looking, I'm, mm-hmm. but it's the one thing that we don't want to talk about. It's right. But when you start owning up to it, your life is so easy. We've, we've found that on our journey, haven't we, Lee? Yeah, definitely. And mm. it's, there's a lot of things in there. I mean, we can't put pressure on schools to teach manners because that's not, that's not their job, ultimately. They ought to expect manners from children, but ultimately it's parents' jobs. Uh, we keep going on about the how how the the new generation, the new kids coming up, are not polite, not this, not that. But ultimately, they've learnt all that from us, or mm-hmm. not learnt it from us. So actually, it lies on us either way. Yeah. You know, yeah. we do now have to step it up and teach our kids better. Yeah. Yeah. In everything. Was there anything else you want to ask? Ask Harvey or bring up Lee. I think uh, after listening to Trace, um, I think I've, I've, we've covered you. Career in, oh. in that sense is absolutely fantastic to yeah. hear you talk yeah. and what an achievement to get to a hundred yeah, fights. Fan, you know, thank you. Me, you know, it means a lot. Um, you saying that? So I hearing on that uh, on that tradition, and it was like you knew if you did a hundred and one, you'd have had to stuck there for two hundred. That's what I would have done, and you know, I don't know. That's what I would have done. I would have definitely stuck out and eat two eat two hundred. I would have made sure I'd have eat two hundred. But you know, uh, it's not a good thing. Keep taking punches. You know that it's not a good thing. Keep taking punches. You know, I think that was that was enough and I had enough. And you also uh, had a career to fall back on. Didn't yeah, you? a lot of yeah. a lot of people go into boxing. Mm. I'm, I'm never sure if it's right or wrong to go fully into it there to back mm. up man because mm. 
if you've got a backup plan, you you know in your mind you've got something to fall back on. So yeah. are you going to push yourself as much as possible? Mm-hmm. However, um, however, to have a backup plan like you did mean, yeah. meant you could leave when you wanted to. Yeah, that's and right. You're still, that's right. You're still good. You know, so you know when when I heard that, that oh you'll be back, I, I knew I weren't going to be back, and. Um, the thing is, you see, too many people, the people can say that I'll be back because I see people retire. But you see me, if I'm retiring, I'm not coming back. And that, that's how I am. A lot of people aren't that way, are they? They come back, but I knew I weren't. I heard, you'll be back. But I knew I weren't coming back because then, in in my mind, why am I retiring? I'm retiring because I weren't coming back. And, and at the same time, my, my lad was about to be born as well. So I didn't want to have any kids and be... Doing what I'm doing, you know what I mean? Sport's so fickle, isn't it? Uh, All it takes is an accident at work. Or you... And your career can be ruined. So yeah. I, I always say to the babies, who are now men and going on to whatever, have a backup plan because yeah. anyone who tells you life is fair is lying to your face because we don't know what tomorrow, today is going to bring, do we? Yeah. And I've seen some of the most brilliant boxers I've ever been around they haven't always gone on to do it because life's got in the way yeah and we, we've we've seen it haven't we mate and you think it's right that isn't it though this kid i'll tell you something in the right hand he will be and then for whatever reason he couldn't be bothered mm. he, he weed his talent up the wall yeah or something's happened he's had a baby he's had yeah or something has happened you don't know do you you don't and it's happened to quite a few boxers what have been good boxers also and could have made it, but they haven't, have they? But you, but you don't, you don't know, you know. You, you know, we we have personal lives, and people say, they say he could. Why comes he didn't make it? He's got his reasons. We don't know. And people say that people. like it's a bad thing. He, he, he could have made it, but maybe he made something else of his life. Mm. You know, maybe yeah. that wasn't the path he's meant to go down. But he has yeah. got a beautiful wife and yeah. three kids, That's which right. is a lot more important That's than right. any boxing. Then guys, you do make you do get some boxes I've made it, but ended up with nothing that you also. But you got that that as well. And that that's the sad thing about success, yeah. financial success, because it's mm. funny about all them. Oh, I can't think of what else to call them. <laughs> come out the woodwork mm. and they drip on dry, and you've seen that mm. from every industry. You know, someone who has come from nothing, and all of a sudden. They've dripped them dry, and then yeah. they've had to come out, of, or they felt like they've had to come out of retirement, and then they've got very ill, or they've got very injured. Yeah. So what's it, what would you tell them people? Gee, gee. you know what? Just be be careful what you're doing. Is this, you know, Kevin's hard, isn't it? You know what I mean? There is people have been dripped and dry and you just have to be careful what you do haven't you you know what i mean he, you know kevin slope for instance you know you know you know your dad your dad he just looks, you know your dad looks out for me you know he really looks out for me and he didn't want me to he didn't want me to go pro and i understand why i understood why you know what i mean he just wanted me to be he wanted me to just do well but in all fairness at the time when i was I, I maybe you should have listened to him, shouldn't I? Because you know, and I probably would have been the way he went. Who knows? I probably would have been and could have been a superstar. You just never know. So you've got to walk your own path, haven't you? Make your own decisions. Yeah. And that's part of being being a man and, and growing up and 
I'm doing those, and, and maybe it wasn't a mistake because you mm. might not have had your your, your wife and kids. Maybe that's you right. Gone on to that. You don't know. And I think what we what we do in life, we're gonna stand by it. It's not being bitter, but the if woulds woulds coulds. Do you know that prayer? Give me the serenity to accept the things that I can change the wisdom. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's basically it's happened. Mm. I and I've looked through through my life. I can't change yesterday. I can't change having bad eyes. I can't. What I can change is what I do tomorrow. I can change my diet. I can change, and knowing the difference, mm -hmm. and I think as human beings, we drive ourselves to insanity trying to change the things we have no power to change, mm -hmm. and that's where we can we can lose the plot. We can go, but we can only change the things we can. That's right. Like you said what happened happened, and you can't change that. So, like you say. And what you can do now is pass your knowledge on, mm. you know, to people listening to this. Whenever you can, come down the club or, mm. or do whatever. Give your knowledge. And when these people go, oh, I'm going to turn pro, go, well, look. Yeah. That's great. But this is the reality of it. In fact, we're up, me and my old man were having a conversation with one of the coach. Laddie wants to be a coach yeah. at the club. <coughs> and I went, being a coach isn't just shouting people. Mm. Not just turning up, um, doing a lesson. A coach... You're here all the time. You will miss weddings, That's right. funerals, christenings. You'll your wife will be shouting at you, mm. but you will do it because you love doing it. That's right. You'll give up your life for other people's kids, and if you're prepared to do that, then you will be a coach. Mm -hmm. Same with being a pro. Same with being this. You you've got to sacrifice to get it. But what are you willing to sacrifice? You know, Kevin. You know, one thing. One thing I will say. You know, you. You know, your dad. You give me a right rollicking. He did like. But I understand why he did. You know what I mean? And I look back now, and I still wish I'd listened. You know. Mm. And I was eager to get away and hide away from him, and that. But I wish I'd listened. But... It is what it is, and mm. it, it is. But you know, it's um, that is life, isn't it? Mm. And I think. Sometimes I, I, can, I can understand why it was the way we went, we went really mad, like you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> but not for not not mad for the bad, mad mad for the good. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And that comes from a place of love, doesn't yeah, it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, like a like a like to me, he was like a he was like a dad to me. Yeah. So it was like a it was like a love, not bad or nothing. So like a love, like. A very caring man. Well, Kev, all I have to say, who would do that for anyone? Get a roast dinner done for them. Who would do that? I've never known anyone to do that. And I, even though I will say it again, we know your mum cooks him. <laughs> but it was because yeah. of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your mum wouldn't have known. You know yeah. what I mean? But he got that done for me. So yeah, he, he was like a dad. He was like a loving dad. And whatever madness he'd done weren't for the wrongfulness, but was for the very goodness. Yeah, I mean, and I think now that we're all dads here, yeah, we're gonna do those things, aren't we? Yeah, hundred percent. Sometimes when it's hundred percent child, and they, yeah, they they can, I don't know, whatever yeah. they want, to, and you see them mm. throwing it away, and you think, come on, stick to the plan, because we can do this, or yeah. you can do it, you can mm. be happy, and it, that it, 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 it's, I always say, it's nothing more frustrating than wasted yeah. talent. You, you, you know, Kev, there's broke, you know, Kev, what? I've thought of the or in the pros what have gone into what your dad's doing. It says, oh, I have a bump into what you call it. 
I never knew of an amateur. He, he, he was the guy who trained you. Do you know I've had that happen to me? Mm. Yeah. I've gone in contact me on inbox me on social media. Fair enough. I've gone down to so-and-so. Um, I met a guy called Bob. <laughs> you know, I told him that I fought you, you know. I didn't know that was your trainer. I says, yeah. yeah. That, was my tra that was my main trainer. Mm. Yeah. Shock shocked by it, like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's funny how, how things come across in life out there. Boxers who become trainers. And they've gone down to place, took people down to squads when, and they bumped into your dad there and they've had a word with your dad to know that your dad knew and not only did your dad knew or was your dad trained me and you think, you know, that's kind of crazy. This, this happened to me the other day, by the way, Kev, that's why I brought it up. Was it? Yeah. This happened to me the other day on Twitter. Bit of funny, I mean. Yeah. How strange is that, eh? But, and when you've known someone for so long, but, yeah. I mean, Back to my dad, I mean, he's been on here a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I've had him on the, on the podcast every day as well. Yeah. But for a bloke from Warleaf to go and do what he's doing, it's remarkable, isn't it? It's absolutely fantastic. And when I heard that he was um, training, you know, I was so overjoyed for him. Because I've always thought that's what he should do. I thought, well, working, he used to tell me, I'm working, a, I'm working an office with a pen. He told me what he'd done and everything. Mm. I thought, how, how can someone so fantastic to me that that block was amazing what's someone like that doing in an office what writing with a pen and the next thing i know so i heard somewhere he was a with the olympic guys i thought you know what best thing for him he deserves him deserves it i knew in my mind from what how that guy taught me that's what he was should be doing not, do, not in an office that's what he should be doing and and so many people he's done good things for in the pros you know, I went down to Kev first. I went to Kev, the Kev gym and I looked up. Oh, bloody hell. I was sitting with a lot of guys who were trained. I, I was unaware. Yeah. I never knew. I saw the evidence on the wall, which I'd rather see than anybody telling me anything. I saw what I saw and I thought, wow. I was really shocked. I couldn't believe it. Well, that's what he should be doing, not working, pushing a pen. I was so happy when I saw him doing that because I thought when he taught me, what a, what knowledge and fantastic. This guy is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I've always thought that of Bob, I always have done, you know what I mean, always loved the bloke and always have done and I just thought to myself, what better could there be than him to be doing what he's doing, so, you know, I'm happy, you know. Well, that's why I put him on the wall so people can see it. This bloke is from the same village, he's from the black country and he is gone, he's gone to five Olympics. If he can do it, why can't you? If he can, this bloke can go and train with Anthony Joshua, go and train with... George Grove and all these names, not names, you can too. Okay. And I think success breeds success. And you yeah. know, if you're training next to a national champion, you go, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And that's the same. But if he can go to Olympics as a coach or as a boxer, or as yeah. I can, because if someone else can do it, it's possible that you might just do it too. 100%. And that's all we do, isn't it, yeah. really? We're following the footsteps of people who've already done it. It's very rare that anything in this world is new and inventive. It's you're following in other yeah, people's yeah. footsteps. But, but, but still though, Bob Dylan, what an amazing man. Well I think we're coming to the end of the show. Um I always like to end. Um have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Oh Kev, you know what? I've never thought about it but what I can say is never give up always try to be the best that you can be you know because we're all human and we can do it you know so many people 
things carry on how it's impossible and I don't get this opportunity. We all got opportunities and we all can do it. Uh, don't be negative. Try and be the best person you can be. That's just come to mind and that's all I could say. So that's what I've said. <laughs> I think that's what as you say. Opportunities are there, but often we don't notice them. It's right, and that's true. You know, it's right. Opportunities are there, and we don't notice them sometimes, but they are there. You know, and if you wake for, up for in all a, of us. If you wake up with a negative mind, mm. it's funny what you're aware of if you're looking for it. Yeah. If the world had to get me, mm. everything you see is confirming what you're after. But if everything you look at, you go, well, you know what? It's all too be. I've learned, and I'm going to take that here and. Life is what you make. But you know, Kev, you know, when I was younger, that was like me, you know, I feel that way, you know, that, ah, uh, oh, I'm a bad luck person when you're younger. When you get older, you get wiser. I don't know, maybe without being wiser and the opportunities, you realise, hey, we wish someone could have told me this, though. You realise yourself that the opportunities are there and we all can all do good and we can all do what we want to do and we can all try. And like you say, the opportunities, they're all there, but I feel that this might have come with a bit of being wise, rather than before, you always thought, how oh, come I'm always having bad luck? <laughs> it's not the case. We all have to try, don't we? we hey, guys. Well, thank you ever so much, brother. And it's been lovely, and I swear, just catching up with you, brother. Kev and Lee, it's been a pleasure. And just thank you so much for having me on your show. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate it, guys. The thank you very much. Yeah, the pleasure's all out, brother. Now, uh, on Thursday, next Thursday, we've got Cherry Gillings coming on talk about her life and all the brilliant work she's done coming from going to prison addiction it's brilliant so that's next week so guys thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed doing it take care of yourselves and each other take care of yourselves and each other to